friends, thanks for being here with me at the local table. I'm Carrie Dirksen, the boss behind Feathered Arrow, a wedding planning and design company based in sunny Los Angeles, California. But don't be fooled, because I'm also a lifestyle photographer, and now, your podcast host. I've been building a business for over five years, and two things that I've learned more than anything is that community is powerful, and that stories truly matter. We all have a story to tell, wisdom to share, and advice to give. And what better way to learn than by sitting around a table with a drink in one hand and community right next to you. So join me on this adventure as I share about life, business insights, advice, and share people's stories of triumphs and failures. So pull up a chair, friend, and grab a drink as we dive into this week's episode of The Local Table. Hello, hello, friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the Local Table Podcast. I'm your host, Carrie, and I'm so excited to introduce today's guest to you. Her name is Sarah Magdoff, and she is the founder of the Slow Entrepreneur Movement. It's an online platform, newsletter, and challenge series dedicated to helping hardworking entrepreneurs work less while getting more done so that they can make room for what matters most. She believes that true sustainable success happens when we make our well-being the top priority. Can I get an amen? Sarah is also the founder of Canopy, a boutique creative studio crafting beautiful, purpose-filled brand strategies and design solutions for emerging businesses focused on sustainability. I hope you can really listen to today's episode, take away some tangible things that you can implement into your own life and how you can really adapt to this idea of slow entrepreneurship. Dive in friends, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the Local Table Podcast. I'm really excited to have you here today. I'm so excited to be here as well. It's good to it's good to see you. I mean, yeah. listeners are not going to be able to see us seeing each other, but we're on Zoom. So. Yeah, it's so nice. It's I mean, I know that times will probably have changed by the time this comes out, but you know, it's nice to see people even if it is virtually since we can't in person. Yeah, we're uh, smack in the middle of quarantine and COVID right now, yeah. and it's just been an adjustment for sure yeah because you work from home before this right you were yeah totally so when all the the work from home inspiration started coming out on instagram and people started blogging about it i was like i'm already doing all this (laughs) stuff but yeah i have i'm fortunate enough to have a cute little cottage she shed Oh, that's so, nice. so my commute every day is about 25 steps. Yeah. <laughs> just a little. Makes going to the bathroom a little complicated. I tend to, yeah. this is TMI, but I kind of just tend to hold <laughs> it. And like, I, that's, those are like 25 steps I have to go down. I can make yeah. it out another hour. Yeah. You're like, why, why go <laughs> take a break for this? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, feel free to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself um, and what you do. Okay, cool. Well, my name is Sarah Magadoff. I am the founder of a creative studio called Canopy. We like to provide brand design for emerging sustainable businesses. So that's everything from helping someone, helping a founder write a mission statement, define their core values, figure out their target market, and then defining a visual identity for them through mood boarding and defining a color palette and topography, um, and then capping that all off with beautiful and compelling design. So that's what I do by day. And then I, um, on the side, founded a movement called the Slow Entrepreneur Movement. 
Um, and what I like to say is that we believe that the health and success of your business is dependent on the health and well-being of the founder. So um, prioritizing your well-being and making sure that you're incorporating practices of work-life balance will all contribute to how successful your business is and how far that you can take it. Yeah. I love that. I mean, your design work is beautiful. I've known Sarah for a couple of years. We've kind of done some like business stuff together, um, little like mastermind groups and have been in, you know, other communities where we've just kind of bounced ideas off each other, which is so nice. But yeah, your, your branding work and everything is so beautiful. But uh, what I really love about the movement you started with slow entrepreneurship, because it really resonated with me a couple of years Mm -hmm. ago, Mm -hmm. just as most of us do when we start our own business, we get burnt out really quickly because we're, you know, putting in all this work and trying to keep up with the hustle, hustle, hustle. And Mm -hmm. we often forget to take care of ourselves. And so I'm really excited to talk to you about this today and learn more about it and how, you know, other people can implement this into their lives as well. But tell us a little bit more about why you started it and Mm. why you felt there was a need for it for yourself and also pushing this out to other people. Totally. So my career began in the field of architecture. Um, I graduated in 2009, so that was right after the economic crash. And it was really yeah. difficult to find a position in an architecture firm. But I was fortunate enough to have a connection at this amazing firm in downtown LA. They designed places like Staples Center. I worked on a lot of high-rise mixed-use buildings in Southeast Asia, just really cool projects. It was, in a lot of ways, a dream job for me. But for about nine months after I was hired, I did not realize how burnt out I was. Looking Mm -hmm. back, I cried on the way to work so often. I would go back to my car and take my lunch hours to just take a nap and, and re-energize myself. And in the moment, I just did not see, I mean, I even explaining it right now. I'm like, that's, yeah. that's called burnout. But right. um, I was an entry level designer. I wanted to work really hard. I wanted to work my way up the ladder um, and become a manager and a supervisor. So I was very um, intent on my ambition. And at the time, right before I ended up resigning from that position, I was on a particularly difficult project for this. It was going to be an open air mall down in Orange County. And the client was very difficult because they didn't know what it is that they wanted. So they'd come at us with their ideas. We'd stay up, you know, nights and weekends and create new concepts for them, represent it. They would be like, "Mm, no, this is not what we were thinking. Try this. It was just this like It was this sprint and a marathon at the same time because it just felt like there were no breaks. Which is pretty impossible. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Sprinting in a marathon, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's such a good way to say that. I just thought of it right now. I'm like, that's exactly what the hustle feels like. It's like, anyway. So that's happening. And it was a medium-sized firm, which meant that we had about 50, 60, 70 employees at the time. And we could take on up to eight, nine, 10 projects at a time. So I was on the project that I had mentioned, the disaster project. And it was one day when a project manager from a different project walked over um, and he had no team around him. It was literally just him. And he had a bunch of help that he needed. And so he came over to me and was like, hey, would you help me do some 3D renderings? 
on top of the work that I was already doing for the other project. And now I'm like, you should have just said no, or just should have right. said, I don't have time for this. This is impossible what you're asking me to do. But like I said, I was eager um, and I wanted to say yes and to impress. So I remember taking his assignment that he gave me walking back to my desk and I just started crying. Like oh. the sort of cry when someone close to you dies. And I was so, it was an open plan office. So I remember I had long hair at the time. I was kind of just trying to like <laughs> cover my eyes. Like no one please look at me. This is so embarrassing. Yeah. Um, and I ended up running to the bathroom and locking myself in a stall and just sitting on the bathroom floor for like 20, 30 minutes sobbing. I had no idea what was going on. Um, How long had you been in that position role? Like when you started to feel that way? How long had you been? Yeah, not even that long. Maybe, maybe six months in. Okay. Then for, you know, the next few months, like I said, it was a really difficult project that I was on. And we just didn't, I didn't have time to stop and think and to Mm -hmm. evaluate and to check in on my insides, what was, what was going on. So, um, I broke all that work just broke me. And I realized that as much as I loved architectural design, if I couldn't create the balanced life that mattered most to me, that the dream wasn't worth it. Yeah. So I went in a couple of days later and put my resignation in. And that's a huge, yeah, step. And like realization to come to as well and be able to admit that to yourself, right? Of not just pushing through it, but actually saying, no, this is more important to me than. Yeah. It was scary and freeing at the same time. I know that a lot of, I've, I've heard the advice that emotions are scary, right? The uncomfortable emotions are scary, but if you give yourself the space to feel them, then it allows them to release. And I think that was the same thing that was happening for me giving myself the space to feel and take inventory. And then when I realized I don't love what I do, that gave me so much power to confidently walk away from that career because it was just, it wasn't worth it. I was so unhappy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That, that allowed that feeling of freedom and liberty to come through. Right. Yeah. Cause it's a, you know, you kind of sit there when you're in those moments and think, I don't want to be in the same spot five years from now or three years Mm -hmm. from now. And it's, it's very enlightening because you do it. It's a hard decision, right. Of walking away. Like I love this, but it's Mm -hmm. not lighting my soul on fire and it's more like draining my soul than feeling good about it. So that's a huge I think a huge step to take for sure. And for me, I had studied architecture in college Mm -hmm. and I had known I'd wanted to be an architect well before then. So this was a, maybe a decade long dream. I'd spent all that money on college and (laughs) so much pressure that I was putting on myself to like, no, this has to be it. This was the plan. Uh, You've already done so much work, just keep going. And that was the mindset that led me to be crying on the bathroom floor. Yeah. I often think about that because I I went to school for nonprofit work and okay. I was in that for so long and now I'm not. And I often think about that same thing. Like I spent so much time investing in that. And I, I wonder how many people go to college and actually, you know, divert from doing what they actually went to school for. So many, yeah. Um, so crazy to think about. So, so you were feeling burnt out and all of that. So when, how, like, how long in between there did you 
I guess, when did you start Canopy, your other business? Mm -hmm. And then did the slow entrepreneur idea come to light? So it was two years after I resigned from that firm that I started Canopy. I gave myself the freedom and the space to really try on a lot of different creative pursuits. Um, I did, I wrote some short stories for publications like Darling Magazine. Um, I even chefed a fundraiser in someone's backyard <laughs> at one point. I was doing a lot of cooking and a lot of baking at that time. But there was one moment where I ran into a girlfriend of mine who was launching her first line of jewelry at mm -hmm. that moment. And she needed all the fixings. She needed a logo. She needed a business card. She needed a website. Um, and from my design background, I knew while I hadn't physically made any of those products, I had the skill set knowing Adobe Creative Suite. It's like, yeah. I can do it. I can, you know, <laughs> I'm a hard worker. I can figure it out. I can research. I can study. I'll, I'll do it for you. So I took some time to come up with some concepts, hit her up a couple weeks later and was like, hey, can I show you what I came up with for you? So we sat down together in front of my computer and she just started crying. It was like, I feel like I gave you such little direction, but you heard, you read between the lines of what my soul wanted and you put that on paper. This is incredible. And so with, with all of her compliments, I felt like I was on to something there. And she then referred me to another friend of hers who referred me to her boyfriend who then referred me to another yeah. client and it kind of just kept going from there. So after thing, yeah, to yeah. like find what you really want to do and small businesses run off of, you know, referrals and recommendations. So I feel like once that kind of snowballs, it's like, oh, maybe I should turn this into a business and do it. So that's so great. Yeah. Yeah. And it was so satisfying to be able to translate that creative energy and still be able to use it. We talk about, we just talked about how you might even feel bad or guilty for walking away from something that you pursued for such a long time. But I, I developed a skill set in those years and was able to translate them into maybe not the 3D space, but the digital space as a designer. And then also have the freedom and flexibility to work as little or as much as I wanted to. So I was having the best of the both worlds, like a career that I was enjoying and also being able to enjoy life. Yeah, I know. I often think about if I ever, which I don't think I will, but if I can manage my lifetime to never go back to working for someone, I feel like mm. that would be one of the hardest things to give up is someone else dictating my schedule and telling me when to work, when not to work. That's one of the things I love most about having my own business, which is so yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. Are you able to like set times of just being able to do what it is that you want, whether you're like, oh, do yoga morning or how, how is that balance? How do you do that? I'm getting better at it. And I okay. will say in quarantine, it's been easier to do that obviously because we didn't you know none of us really had commitments that we had to go to otherwise um but it was nice because I found myself waking up and just sitting down and reading and having coffee and not feeling this rush pace of life which was something I hadn't experienced in a really long time I worked from home for I think four years or so. And then last year I started going into a WeWork space. Great. 
which was super helpful just to, you know, get out of the house and really have more of a routine. But it's funny because now coming back and working from home again during this time, I've been able to allow more time for myself and actually working out and all of those things. So if anything, I think coming out of quarantine, it'll be helpful to just slow down and once life sort of returns to somewhat of a normalcy, you know, and maybe just say no to things that I felt obligated to say yes to before or, you know, hanging out with friends, whatever it was, and really taking care of myself. Yeah. And it's so, I find that once you're given the space to actually give yourself space, when you come back to your work, you're much more energized and you have, you can work faster um, and be more creative. So I think there's this myth, this mindset that if we take time away from work, then we're not going to be able to finish whatever it is that needs to be finished. We're not going to be able to take on enough projects, not be able to make enough money, but it actually fuels you and helps you work better and work faster. Yeah. Is what I found. Yeah. And I think I've been time blocking a lot and I actually did a session the other day with, um, in this cohort that I'm a part of with WeWork and they, this woman helped uh, run this business called the cave. Okay. And so it's like deep work. And so you, you know, shut off all of your other outside things, notifications, electronics, and you spend X amount of time just deep diving into one project. And it was just really helpful. She didn't tell us how long the time was. I think it was around 35 minutes or so, Okay, but when you're not trying to multitask and you just do one task at a time and it was really enlightening because I was like, man, I got a lot done. That's and great. That, you know, in that 35 minutes where you're typically most of us are like, oh, I need to pay this bill. Oh, I'll respond to this email. But I also thought of ideas for this project, you know, so we're, we're switching gears all day long. And I think it's just been so helpful to carve out 30 minutes and be like, I'm not going to respond to any text messages. You know, I'm going to do this and go into that cave and then come out when I've reached the next point in that project or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so so surprising how much we can get done when we are focused. I mean, a task that might take an hour, you can get done in 20 minutes maybe. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. But so going back, I know that was kind of a side tangent, but going back to slow entrepreneurship, what are some of the values and practices within that, that you are sharing with people and understand what that truly means? So we have, as of right now, nine core values. I am sure that I'll be inspired to add more as we continue along this journey. But um, there are nine. I won't bombard you with all of them, but I will say (laughs) that people listening to this want to go onto our website and take a look at all nine values. The website is slowentrepreneur.com. But I do have, let's just call them my top three values written down. I'm just going to read them out to you. Go for it. Um, The first one is work smarter, not harder. We believe strategic planning results in lighter labor. Working smarter, not hustling harder, enables us to achieve our goals faster with less effort. Busyness does not engineer success. The second one is you are not what you do. We believe that each person's worth is inherent in their humanity and is not determined by their metrics nor by what they accomplish. Personal worth cannot be earned, altered, or destroyed. And finally, use technology responsibly. We believe the fundamental purpose of technology is to expedite productivity. We set limitations around device usage that enable us to take advantage of its benefits without compromising well-being. 
Those are so good. Just those three. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I spent a lot of time writing and rewriting and rewriting. I got stuck in that like perfectionist. Nothing can be launched until I say it exactly the right way. So those, those nine core values sort of form the backbone of our beliefs as a movement. And I like to say that every slow entrepreneur's practice is so personal to them. Every personality, every business, and every business within each industry can be so vastly unique. So there's not any like one size fits all practice to slow entrepreneurship. Um, but we do have a list of 25 practices on our website that you that that listeners can go to our website and download that and comb through that and choose anything that resonates with them. Um, some of those practices are create a phone free day, maybe once a week where you completely shut down your phone, maybe your other devices and see what it feels like to be disconnected and unengaged with um, the things that aren't present around you. People have chosen one afternoon a week to commit to do something that brings them joy, whether that be going out to an art museum or going out to coffee with a friend or um, doing a once a week Pilates class. What else is there? Oh, someone, one of our interviews, we have a series of interviews on the Slow Entrepreneur website just so that people can get a taste for different types of practices and how different people choose to implement work-life balance into their lives. We want to give a broad spectrum of, hey, like I said, it's not just a one-size-fits-all thing, but here are what other entrepreneurs who have successfully slowed down, here are some practices that they've done. We have one entrepreneur interviewed on the site who doesn't turn on any of her devices until 10 a.m. So it is her time in the morning. She meditates, she journals, she maybe does a prayer or repeats a mantra. So she's making sure that she's working from rest and fully fueled before she even starts to answer any text messages, emails, phone calls, any of that. And then she also has a practice of turning her phone off at a specific time in the evening so she can be present with her family and her loved ones. So that's cool. That's definitely some discipline right there. (laughs) It is. It is. Yeah. So how I love all of those and those, a lot of what you mentioned can actually be really scary for people too, right? You know, Mm -hmm. shutting your phone off for a day or taking an afternoon off, um, but all really good stuff. You know, once we finally take the step and do it, then we realize how good it is for us. So with that, what have you done? How have you implemented this into your life, your business, and how have you seen that change your business and your personal life? For the yeah, better? that's a great question. My favorite practice is I take every Wednesday off. So okay. I work Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. I've been doing that for two and a half years now, and I set aside the intention for Wednesdays to either A, do something in LA that I've never done before. So I have this huge and growing list of restaurants and shops and hikes and different activities to do that I've never done in LA. I've been here for 15 years, and there's still so much that I have yet to explore and want to see. So my Wednesdays, I dedicate to either doing that or making a new recipe that I've never made before. And there's something so consistent and so interesting that happens to me on Wednesday mornings. 
Wednesday mornings, I have my best ideas. It's like my brain and my body <laughs> are like, thank you for the rest. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. First hour of that day, I have to just spend time writing all of my ideas down. So that's, so that's the first part of it. I noticed okay. that when I give myself the space, I am so creative. And then I also get the second part of the answer is I also become more energized. And I notice that when I go back to working on Thursday, I'm so efficient and so productive. So yeah, because yeah. it's, it's almost like you, you know, I only have these four days to get everything that I need to get done. So it almost mm -hmm. makes you want to work more efficiently and harder because you get to look forward to Wednesdays off or the weekends or whatever it is, instead of always just pining for Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. Like reprieve during the week, which is really great. Do you know the Pareto principle? P-A-R-E-T. No, I don't. The Pareto, Pareto principle. Essentially, whatever time that we give something, we will take the entire time to accomplish that task. So for example, if we have a two-week deadline for something, we'll take the entire two weeks to finish it. But if we're given a two-day timeline for the exact same task, we'll finish it within those two days. That's so, cool. so there's something <laughs> in the human psychology where when you, when there's less time, you automatically trust your gut, you make faster decisions, you are more efficient, you're not hemming and hawing, you're not wasting space multitasking. It's just like you were talking about the being able to focus and just get yeah. things done in 30 minutes. So for you, because that's a practice that you have in your life and you know you need, are there ever weeks or I'm sure there are, but are there weeks or, you know, times where you can't take Wednesday off or you have to flip it out or, and how do you share that with your clients so that people, I guess you don't, so you don't feel this need or this urgency to respond to someone or the, you know, your clients are wondering why she hasn't responded. I know it's one day, but mm -hmm. in this culture where it's sort of this immediate response, you know, and a lot of us feel guilty for not responding within a certain amount of time. I guess, how do you manage that? Do you really convey to clients when you're on, you know, your office hours, things like that? Yeah, totally. Um, to answer the first part of that question, if I can't take a Wednesday off for whatever reason, whatever reason, I typically switch it up with okay. a different day. So yeah, making sure that that balance is always there. It, it would have to be a really, really rare project for me to just entirely eliminate that. But there have been instances where if a project is going to print and things totally go crazy when like magazines and uh, marketing materials are going to print, all of a sudden everything goes awry. So I had a client last year who her print project was kind of falling apart and it really required me to be there, be available and ready to work all day, every day for about two weeks. And I just okay. let her know, hey, this project is gonna require me to go beyond my normal office hours, so I'm gonna to have to charge the after hours rate. Mm. So that helped me feel a little bit more comfortable saying no to my Wednesdays because I knew that, hey, I was making a little extra cash. This is the trade-off that I make. Um, and I've created that provision so that if and when that, that need to be in the office longer happens, I can do so comfortably. 
What was the other part of that question? Oh, letting your clients know when your office hours are, you know, not feeling this need to respond right away to people since you're out of the office during the middle of the week, you know, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. How do you communicate that to your clients? Yeah, I'm really intentional about being upfront and communicative about my hours. All of my clients receive a client welcome gift that has, you know, a pretty candle in it, a nice bag of tea, a journal, and it's just this really lovely experience that they get to unwrap and open. Um, Yeah, and so I've created this, it's it's kind of hard to explain, but it's this fold-out sheet, and it has a bunch of quotes on like quotes quotes for slowing down and some beautiful like photographs and images and this kind of interactive piece that people can cut out and put the images of the quotes on their wall but wrapped up in and amongst those quotes and images are some of my guidelines for working with Mm. me so Mm -hmm. i like to say hey these are my office hours these are the days i do and do not work if you call or text outside of my office hours I won't, I kindly won't be responding until the following morning, but I'll do so promptly. I just, yeah, outline all of the, all of that information for them so that they can be aware and ready for those days when I am out of the office. Um, And it comes in this beautiful package. So it can feel a little bit, (laughs) maybe you feel like a little guilty or you feel like you're asking for too much, um, which you're not, but I like, I like presenting that information wrapped up in this beautiful package so people get to feel loved on, but also you're setting boundaries and that's which is natural and necessary. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think when you set those boundaries, up front, they're, they're more respected than when you kind of don't give those, your clients boundaries or, you know, limitations. And then it sort of feels later on when you're coming at them of, Hey, don't text me at this time of night, you know, setting those right away. It's just like, Oh, I know not to text Sarah at eight. Cause she was not going to respond. And, and also it's like, it's not that urgent. You can text me yeah. at 8am the next morning or, or 9am, whatever, you know, totally. normal office hours are. Yeah. And it's really interesting that I've found that people, once people know what your boundaries are, they start to look out for you. Yeah. So I've received text say at 6 30 in the evening that say hey i know that you're out of the office right now totally ignore this text i just wanted to get this thought out of my brain but ignore it and we'll talk in the morning so when you have great people working around you they want to respect you and in fact it could also inspire them to develop similar practices totally for sure so what would you suggest to people who are feeling burnt out they're not sure where to start because i think a big thing for a lot of us is, you know, we are kind of told by society and on other mm-hmm. entrepreneurs around us that if you're not hustling 24 seven, you're not going to be successful or you're not working hard enough. And I know for me, it's something that I've believed for a long time that I can't take an afternoon off because mm-hmm. you, especially with social media, we see all of these people, you know, you think everyone's working constantly all day long, every day. And so we feel this guilt, right? Or at least I do. I know that there's this guilt there of, can I take this time off? And then I quickly remind myself, I started this business so I can be the boss and dictate when I'm working, when I'm not. But all that to say, what would you suggest to people who are kind of starting this? And it it is a hard step for them to slow down and then feel like they can be more successful by setting those boundaries, taking that time for themselves. Yeah, the first thing that I would direct people toward is 
on our website, I've created a free downloadable challenge. It's called the Jumpstart Challenge. And that's the challenge that contains the, 20, the list of 25 practices that I was okay. talking about earlier. Um, it's a challenge that'll take about five minutes to read through and complete. And at the end, you literally just check off, oh, I want to start, uh, you know, once a week yoga or once a week taking an afternoon off. And then I'm you know, going to schedule that into my calendar. It's really a quick, easy exercise that people can enter into their own slow entrepreneurial journey using that. So that's the first resource that I've created. And the second piece of wisdom that I would say is remember that rest is an act of productivity. We think of rest as inactive or not doing, but I like to think of this story I heard from a Ted speaker. Her name is Manoush Zomoroti, I believe. She's the new, she's actually the new um, Ted radio hour, Ted radio hour host. And she talks about a time when she was on maternity leave with one of her children who happened to be extremely colicky. So the colic forced her to push her kid in a stroller literally for 10 to 15 hours a day. Oh my gosh. (laughs) While the kid was still crying for that amount of time. And she, in that time, developed a new idea for a business and just started working on it in her head while she was out for these 10 to 15 hour walks every single day. So by the time that she went back to working from her maternity leave, she had this fully fleshed out business plan. She launched it and she ran hard for two years and just went go, go, go with the business. And it wasn't until two years after launching that she was given an assignment, maybe to write a piece or do an interview or something like that for a publication. She sat down, she opened up her computer and started to write and had no ideas. Yeah. She just like for a really long time explains, I like nothing came to my head and she thought, I felt so creative and so productive. Like I had so many ideas two years ago. What's the difference between then and now? And she remembered I had the space. I had all that space when I was pushing the stroller for half a day. And maybe there's this connection between creativity and boredom. So Mm -hmm. now she's, she does a lot of work, but she does a lot of, um, she provides a lot of resources surrounding that idea of, Boredom equals creativity. So all that to say, if feelings of guilt for not working or resting ever come out, just remember in your rest, you're being productive. Your brain and your body want the space to give you ideas. Your muscles and your mind want to rejuvenate. This is what's happening in that time. And when you come back to work, you will be more productive. You will be more efficient. You will be more creative. Your body will pay you for that rest. Yeah, that's so that's so great. I feel like a lot of times for me, my best ideas come when I am, am relaxing and I think about it, I'm like, oh, this is always so inconvenient, whether I'm in the shower or mm-hmm. you know, driving your car. But it, yep. when you break it down, it's like, oh, I'm my body's kind of resting and, you know, enjoying whether it is like a hot shower or just like getting out, going for a walk, you know, and it's mm-hmm those moments when your mind can just relax and really think and be creative because you're not Mm -hmm. so focused on the work. 
Yeah. In the car, in the shower and yeah. on a run. You just listed the three, my three areas where I come up with my best ideas. Yeah. That's totally. so Do you feel, what for you has kind of been the hardest part of slowing down and implementing these practices for you? It goes back to feelings of guilt and worth. It can be so hard, especially you, you totally nailed it with the question that you asked earlier of our culture implicitly tells us that our worth is wrapped up in our accomplishments. Um, and how happy we are, right? Yeah. I mean, we're so, it, yeah. And just our exposure to other people and being on social media and being able to watch what other people generate by comparison can make you feel so small or so worthless when you're not accomplishing at the same rate but I've had to sit with those feelings and I'm actually in the process of developing a guilt and worth challenge and I haven't written it out yet, but I want part of the exercise to be sit in a room by yourself for 10, 15, 20 minutes, however feels, um, whatever feels comfortable to you and don't do anything. Or maybe you can listen to music or start journaling or do something really simple and really quiet that would allow for you to hear your thoughts and start jotting down what are the narratives that I'm hearing. I feel guilty for wasting time. I should be, I have a lot to do. I should be getting work done right now. Or I, what would my clients think of me if I am taking time off while there's work yet to be done on their project? Or what do other people think about me? In that silence, use that time to jot down what all of those, those fears or negative thoughts are that come up. And once they've all come up, go down through each fear and write the truth statement next to it. Mm. No, I'm not irresponsible. I'm not using this time irresponsibly, irresponsibly. I've already put X amount of hours into this project or into this day. I'm not lazy. I'm a hard worker. I know that my clients aren't disapproving of me. Um, they give me great feedback and just using those positive messages to then energize you and to point you in the point your mindset in the right direction when those feelings of guilt and worthlessness come up. That's, that's the struggle that I've dealt with, but that's that honestly, just that positive self-talk has been the biggest factor in helping me overcome that. Yeah, that's, that's a powerful practice. And I think something to do because if 2020 has taught us anything, it's definitely, I think, sitting in the uncomfortableness, Oh gosh, you know, what life has brought us and how to like sit in that, but also remember what's true and, you know, the joys and not only the hardships that we've dealt with, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So what would you say, um, you know, I know you mentioned the monthly challenge. What is kind of your maybe three top tips for people to, what could they do to start this today? You know, like what is a step that they can take to implement this into their life? Something that's really easy and tangible to move forward, having the slow entrepreneurship lifestyle. Sure. Number one, head to our website and download the Jumpstart Challenge and choose one of the 25 practices to start implementing starting today. 
Secondly, you can subscribe to my newsletter, which is a combination of a newsletter and a challenge that you receive once a month. And I'll take you through the exact same process that I used to go from working 40 hours a week down to 14 hours a week, which is approximately what I do now. But I, you can look forward to topics like how to simplify your calendar and your schedule, how to accelerate your processes, how to create boundaries and make room for joy, how to do a digital detox. Um, and that's completely free. So that's something, like I said, you can go to my website and sign up for that. And the third thing, which is also on our website, is you can read through our interviews. Right now we have six interviews from six different beautiful, wonderful ladies across the country. And they each share their own wisdom and their own perspective on how and why they decided to slow down the benefits that it's had for their lives. And Glean from their wisdom and from their practices and see if there's anything in there that aligns with you and maybe there's a practice in there that you want to start implementing into your own workflow. So jumpstart challenge, sign up for the newsletter and challenge series and go ahead and read our interviews. I love that. That's so great. And did you say you went from 40 hours a week to 14 hours a week? Slowly over time. <laughs> That's not like, I yeah, here, that. implement this one practice and there you go. Uh, it was, it was, um, yeah, slowly over time getting more curious about, well, Hey, I was able to shave my work day down to six hours. Can I get it down to five hours? Okay. Now can I get it down to four hours? Now can I take an oh entire day off? So I, it was a slow process, but I also yeah. implemented structure and strategies into my days that helped me to whittle down my, my work week to that. Yeah. And I think just as a side note to that, you know, like you said, it did take time and practice. And also I think for you, what in conversations we've had in the past, um, it allowed you to say yes to projects that really brought life to you and that you really loved doing and mm -hmm. were good money, right? Like it's, mm -hmm. it's also figuring out, I think a plan, right. Of, you know what, I'm going to say yes to these clients that are my ideal clients and stop saying yes to the ones that don't pay me enough. And I just take it on to take it on. Um, and really having that structure in place, I think too, of, of maybe raising your prices a little bit if it means you really want to slow down and really, you know, find that ideal client instead of just taking on anybody. Because I think some people feel burnt out because they kind of do what they need to do and take on anybody and everybody. And, and I think that's kind of what burns us out in the beginning of entrepreneurship too. Well, that's absolutely what what caused the burnout for me. I Right now I have a brand kit package system. So if you book a project with me, there's a whole list of deliverables that you get and you can add on. Once you buy the basic kit, then you can add on as many deliverables as okay. you want. Before that, when I had first started my business, I was taking on anything and everything. So that could be a baby small $500 project to like designing one business card or one logo. So it was all these little bitty baby projects. And in addition to having to deliver each of those projects, you have to deal with email and other correspondences for each individual client. You have to get to know their brand. You have to, there's a certain amount of baseline setup required for each project. So when you have 10 small projects instead of five smaller, or what did I say? Yeah, 10, 10 baby projects instead of five yeah. bigger projects, 
even though you might, that might equal out to the same amount of money that you're bringing in, you will be so much more exhausted because you're just having to spin all those plates versus being able to focus on five bigger projects. So that was really the thing that started this whole philosophy off for me was restructuring my offering and not saying yes to everything, figuring out the projects that I love best and marketing toward those. And then also raising my prices and really understand, like truly understanding what my worth was. Cause you're right. It's so, it can be really scary at the beginning to, you don't want to charge too much, but then you get burnt out and then it's a whole thing. But sometimes you do have to go through that process to be like, I never want to do that again. I finally (laughs) understand what my worth is and I'm going to charge it. And if, uh, if it doesn't work out where I can't work with someone, God bless you. God bless me. We'll go on to the next thing and everyone will be great and taken care of. Yeah. Especially in a service-based business, it's your time is money and it's super valuable. And I think for me having a service-based business, I think that's where I've kind of gotten caught up of, you know, you think, oh, it's only an hour. It's only an extra meeting or another day. Um, But those add up when you have, you know, 20 clients throughout the year and you're, you know, for me, it's planning their wedding. I'm like, that adds up to probably, you know, 40 hours of extra work that I just said yes to because I felt guilty or, you know, didn't take the time for myself. So I think it's important to remember that, you know, your time is valuable and that's for anybody, you know, that's all we really have. And so it's setting those boundaries and, and slowing down. Yeah. I'm being clear about what taking those extra phone calls or extra projects being clear about what that costs you because it's so true that yeah it is just a one hour phone call here or you know another hour long phone call over there but over time now if we're hopping on the phone once a week for an hour for the duration of your project so that's say 12 weeks that's 12 additional hours that i'm just not being paid for and i'm i could be spending that on a different project or developing a different offering. So um, yeah, another practice that that's good for people to implement is putting caps on stuff like that. Like I typically I say I provide unlimited email support, but I will give you up to one 15 minute catch up design call. A okay. week. Anything more than that gets the, <laughs> gets yeah. the above and beyond fee. So yeah. that also forces people to, um, yeah, respect and observe and utilize uh, their time wisely instead of time wisely as well. one off texting or emailing you they're concise and putting it all in one email together. So all their questions can be answered. Exactly. Saves time for you, saves time for them. And now we've opened up how many more hours in our year. Exactly. Helping other people. Yeah. Well, thank you, Sarah. This was so great. I just, I love this concept and idea and I think it's going to be really helpful for other people to implement. And I think even if you're not an entrepreneur and you're listening to this, I think there's so many tangible ways that we can still, you know, so many tangible things we can implement into our own lives to slow down, even if you are working for someone else and just, you know, whether it is taking that extra time or maybe it's taking an afternoon off and asking your boss for that so that you can have that time for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. These principles aren't Yeah. It's not just for entrepreneurs. It's for everyone, everyone in the workplace. For sure. So lastly, I know you're based in LA. Tell us, I always love to ask this 
to my guests before we leave, but what's a favorite local spot of yours that you used to frequent before quarantine Um, or that you're excited to go back to? Yeah. What is that for you? So we have a little, I live in Highland Park in LA and we have a little wine bar. Actually, it's not a bar. It just sells wine, but I think they call it wine night Wednesdays. So every Wednesday starting at 6 PM, they do wine flights. So oh. they open up um, and they, they collaborate with the, it's like a pizza focaccia joint next door. So you can buy for $15 a wine flight. And then that comes with these beautiful focaccias. Um, they usually put up, put out a charcuterie spread with cheeses and meats and olives and all the fun things. And that's a really fun grown up adult thing to do every Wednesday. It. It's coming back eventually yeah. but that's and what was that place called it's called highland park wine highland park wine okay yeah that sounds delicious <laughs> yeah there's one in silver lake and there's also one in the arts district called arts okay. district wine in silver lake okay wine, super but. simple name yeah <laughs> yeah easy their branding is so cute and they have yeah. yummy, delicious wines so that's our spot. Perfect. Awesome. So Sarah, where can people find you if they want to jump into this challenge or maybe work with you for branding? Where can they find you online and, and follow you? Sure. Online, we're at slowentrepreneur.com. And on Instagram, that's the same handle, slow, at slowentrepreneur. You can also find us on Pinterest. It's not super active on that platform, <laughs> but eventually it will be. And then for design work, you can find me online at madebycanopy.com. Same handle for Instagram at madebycanopy. Also the same handle on Pinterest. So I look forward to seeing everyone there. Awesome. Well, thank you, Sarah. This was such a great conversation. And um, I think it'll be really great for listeners. And hopefully everyone will take the challenge and start implementing these practices into their life. Yeah, I hope so. And I'm looking forward to hearing this when this drops. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks. And that's today's episode of The Local Table. Thank you guys so much for being here. I'm truly grateful that you're tuning in. About a year ago, this was just a dream of mine. And now it's so exciting to be here interviewing other people, sharing their stories, and just delivering really great content. I hope you walk away feeling inspired, or maybe you gained a new perspective, or you learned a thing or two. It would honestly mean the world to me if you would be so kind and leave us a positive review if you enjoyed today's show. Again, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart, and we'll see you next time on The Local Table.